and welcome to The Turbulent World with me, James M. Dorsey, as your host. Controversy over the release of Palestinian tax receipts tests the United States' ability to pressure Israel and suggests that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's ultra-religious, ultra-conservative government may not survive an end to the Gaza war. The controversy also suggests that differences among members of Mr. Netanyahu's cabinet and between the United States and Israel on post-war arrangements in Gaza may leave Israel with its least preferred options. Shouldering responsibility for a war-devastated Gaza whose population has been traumatized by Israeli conduct of the war, or a political vacuum that likely would be filled by Hamas and other Palestinian militants. Israel has so far resisted U.S. pressure to release hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes on imports and exports collected since October 7 on behalf of President Mahmoud Abbas's West Bank-based Palestine Authority. Israel says it fears the funds would find their way to Hamas. In a phone call this week with Mr. Netanyahu, described by a U.S. official as frustrating, President Joe Biden insisted that the prime minister needed to resolve the issue. Mr. Biden ended the call by saying, this conversation is over. Mr. Biden wants the funds released as part of an effort to revitalize the discredited Palestine Authority and position it for taking control of Gaza once the war ends. Mr. Netanyahu insists that the authority has no role. However, earlier this month, Mr. Netanyahu appeared to leave the door open when his national security advisor, Tzahi Anegbi, hinted that Israel could drop its objection. In an op-ed on the London-based Arabic-language Saudi Elaft news website, Mr. Hanagbi acknowledged international pressure to turn Gaza over to the authority. We make it clear that the matter will require a fundamental reform of the Palestinian Authority, Mr. Hanagbi said, adding that Israel is ready for this effort. Even so, Hardline Israeli Finance Minister Bezalel Smotrich tweeted in response to the phone call that we will never leave our destiny in the hands of foreigners, and as long as I am Minister of Finance, not a single shekel will go to the Nazi terrorists in Gaza. This is not an extreme position. This is a life-saving and reality-based position. Israel's currency is the shekel. This week, Mr. Netanyahu canceled a meeting of the three-member war cabinet to discuss post-war arrangements in Gaza, conceding a demand by Mr. Smotrich that the governance issue should be discussed by the 16-member security cabinet that includes the finance minister. With no good day-after options and caught in a catch-22 between the United States and his far-right coalition partners, Mr. Netanyahu may see prolonging the fighting for as long as possible as his most promising political survival strategy.
despite domestic pressure to prioritize bringing home Hamas-held hostages above prosecuting the war. A majority of Israelis wants to see the back of Mr. Netanyahu, Israel's longest-serving prime minister, as soon as the war ends. They blame him for intelligence and operational failures that could have prevented Hamas's October 7 attack. Changing prime minister in the middle of the war is not good, but the fact that he is in office is worse, said opposition leader Yair Lapid. Mr. Netanyahu's problem is compounded by the fact that the decision when to end the war may not be his alone, depending on whether the United States applies real pressure and whether the U.S. has the kind of leverage most analysts believe it does. Supporters of Israel argue that the United States may have the clout to force Israel's hand, but that overt pressure could backfire. Threatening to withhold U.S. aid unless Israel changes its policies would only have the effect of making the Israelis feel they must go it alone, said Dennis Ross, a Middle East peace negotiator for Presidents George W. Bush and Bill Clinton and member of Barack Obama's National Security Council. Mr. Ross quoted a senior Israeli official as saying, If America says you have to stop or we will cut you off, we will fight with our fingernails if we have to. We have no choice. The former negotiator noted that Mr. Netanyahu owed his re-election in 2016 in part to his willingness to stand up to Mr. Obama's public criticism of Israel's West Bank settlement policy. An Israeli prime minister can gain politically by standing up to a U.S. president who is perceived not to understand the region and who seems willing to pressure Israel to make risky sacrifices, Mr. Ross said. It would be difficult to accuse Mr. Biden of not understanding Israel's vision of the Middle East. In the Gaza war, Mr. Biden has supported Israel wholeheartedly, opting to embrace Mr. Netanyahu, for whom he has little love, in a bear hug. The president's expectation that in return, Mr. Netanyahu would be receptive to U.S. demands has so far remained unfulfilled. Moreover, the experience of Israel's 2021 war on Gaza contradicts Mr. Ross's assessment. At the time, Mr. Biden got the result he wanted within 24 hours when he, after 10 days of fighting, dropped the bearhuck and opted instead for the sledgehammer. In a telephone call with Mr. Netanyahu, the fourth in little more than a week, Mr. Biden advised the Israeli leader at the time that he expected a significant de-escalation today on the path to a ceasefire. When Mr. Netanyahu sought to buy time to continue the bombing, Mr. Biden replied, Hey man, we're out of a runway here. It's over. Israel and Hamas agreed to a ceasefire a day later. Mr. Netanyahu was in a less precarious situation in 2021 than now. As a result, it may take more than telling the Prime Minister that their conversation is over even if that risks 
shoring up Mr. Netanyahu's domestic standing. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed today's column and podcast. The Turbulent World with James M. Dorsey depends on the support of its readers. For the past 12 years, I have maintained free distribution as a way of maximizing impact. I am determined to keep it that way. However, to avoid putting up a paywall, I need the support of a core of voluntary paid subscribers to cover the cost of producing the column and podcast. If you believe that the column and podcast add value to your understanding and that of the broader public, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. You can do so by clicking on Substack on the subscription button at www.jamesmdorsey.substack.com and choosing one of the subscription options. Thank you, take care, and best wishes for the new year.